0: Today on the podcast of a really interesting gentleman by the name of John Dunia, and he calls himself the Shame Doctor. Now, I know this is a music podcast, but I just want you to listen to this interview because sometimes as a musician, there might be times that you go through ups and downs in performance, and it can be a difficult journey trying to circumvent those internal mental conversations that you might have. On the opening page of his website, he says abuse comes in many forms. It can be emotional, mental, spiritual, physical or sexual. No one should ever suffer at the hands of an abusive person, but many of us do. It can be far more harmful than you think because the most damaging and misunderstood sorry forms of abuse often comes from the hurtful words we tell ourselves. Welcome yep. to the podcast, John.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: And I think that's an interesting one, the hurtful words we tell ourselves. And I mean, that can come from any number of situations. But before we get into the depth of your story and so on, you do have a musical background. So I do. let's I learn to, about this.
1: I want to assure your listeners that, uh, yes, I do. I have been in their shoes, possibly not in their shoes, but close, trotting behind. I studied um music in college. and have a degree in music. I started off as a comp major and then toward the end I just wanted to graduate so I shifted back to performance. But I, I've I've been uh, interested in music from a very young age. I started playing trumpet at four years old and um, <clears throat> learned started learning piano in the seventh grade which would make me about 11 years old. And then I got really interested and started writing songs. Oh, I, I didn't know anything about theory. I just um, I, I guess I was kind of musically inclined, you know. You could say, um, you know, nothing like teaching myself to play the piano or th- those kinds of things. But I just was always interested in it and and in in, in the patterns and how things uh, fit together. You know, for the for the any pianists in the audience, the the, the cycle of or the circle of fits, It's been a while, so I forget some of these things. But you did. Know, I I I always became interested in, in how they sort of knit together, fused together. Um, and then in, when I was um, 13 years old, I was introduced to some music that pretty much changed the course of my mind. It, I don't know, if many of your listeners may not have heard of this, but the, uh, the album was called Switched On Bach. Never heard of that album. It was done by a performer uh, who originally was Walter Carlos and ended up um, being transgender and, and, and now is Wendy Carlos. And back in the uh, in the late, I'd say, uh, six, 60s, early seventies, was the first one to do Bach on on a, a Moog synthesizer. And I walked into a room one day and it was playing. And it I just as a as a freshman in high school, I was intrigued because it was modern. I don't want to say rock sounding, but it's electronic sounding, and it got my ear. And I, I wasn't really wasn't a fan of classical music at the time, but just the way it danced around, the way the sounds sort of meld together, I got real interested. So I started buying my own albums and um, pretty much that's all I listened to for the next four years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you just got totally soaked into it, saturated yeah. into
1: it. Yeah. 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 And and eventually I started, well, if I really like this electronic version, let me hear the real version. And so I started to to get the, uh, the orchestral. And I've, uh, you know, for actually for a music major, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty stuck in that, in that uh, Beethoven, Brahms, Mozart, uh, Baller. I'm, 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 pretty stuck in, in that. In the great yeah. masters. Yeah. And um, so I started in, when I went to college, I started studying music and in my last year, or actually when, when I was taking a course, actually as a percussion course and the teacher says, most of you guys are going to be high school band directors. So you should learn to fix instruments. And we started doing a few things, and I got I really enjoyed it. And he said, well, you know, at the local uh, community college, you can take an actual course in it. So I took a course in it, and I learned to repair instruments, which means I had to learn to play them. So I got, I don't want to say, uh, you know, I I probably wasn't orchestra worthy, but I got pretty good at playing most any wind instrument because I had to fix it. So uh, I really... And I ended up uh, having my own repair business. I ended up teaching trumpet privately. I ended up uh, eventually also uh, directing some bands in, the, in in my earlier days. So I was very heavily involved uh, in, the, in, the, in the music education of things.
0: But I think the bands sound great fun, you know, to create that community element to music. Because sometimes as a musician, you're so much on your own honing your skill that when you bring it then into this community format of bands and marching and being together and creating this like great sound. I think it must be great fun for the participants.
1: It well yeah mine it was a little bit different situation. I was involved in a really small private school and a lot of the kids in there it's like they had a choice between choir or band. So it wasn't like everybody was yeah I want to create music. So for me as a teacher it was it was it was a goal to get them to enjoy it, to want to play together. And they ended up doing, you know, doing pretty well. I mean, I have to say most of my, most of my guys in there were much better athletes than they were musicians.
0: Okay, okay. So I'm sure there was challenges in that, trying to make that work. But definitely, you know, even from my own memory, even singing in choirs, there's such fun with choirs as well. And it's yeah. possibly an easier format for somebody who might be greatly into music, but it's 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 a lovely introduction into the music world as well. What is your favorite musical genre? So you, it looks like you have lots of experience, but looking back now, with the whole thing. What would be your favorite musical
1: genre? Well, I I don't always like referring to it as classical music because when I hear classical, that you know, you really think of the classic age, Mozart, those kind of people. Yeah. But it's definitely still. That kind of music, I, I, um, I, I just, I don't know. There's something about it, uh, and and I actually currently I still play in the Henderson Symphony, and we just last fall we, we played Mahler's First Symphony, and um, oh, beautiful. it's it's almost like you're a part of history, and that's what that's what I enjoy about playing, you know, these pieces that were written. Sometimes you know hundreds, sometimes hundreds of years ago. Yes. You just it. You you feel like you're you're part of it. Now you're it's like you're reenacting history. Even though it's it, it's in a contemporary setting, but it's just it's almost like an honor and a privilege that you can't. You know, I guess in maybe in dance or things like that, but in in performance art, there's just you can't do that if if I was to sit down and recreate a painting of the Mona Lisa it's all it's just with me but when you're with other people and you're working on this and together it's like you it's like you've become this history and it's just I don't know there's no for me there it's just indescribable and for somebody who's yeah I
0: suppose like, there's there's two sides to that because you could say it transports you into another era sure and you could also and you could also say as well that concerts in general are like moments in time and they do stick in the memory how many concerts have we all been to where you have that memory do you remember that special concert that sound it was it was beautifully done um they there really are special occasions to be part of now you have navigated in some ways into a new form of work and this is what your whole website about is about called shame doctor now if I just check my computer over here the domain is shamedoctor.com That's correct. can you just explain what that whole project is about and what you're doing now
1: Oh Sylvia so yeah, how much time do you have <laughs> <laughs> well we have up to an hour how about that it was it was quite an interesting transformation it all it all began uh, with the demise of my of my marriage uh, actually um okay things kind of went awry we we uh went to go see a therapist and i was under the opinion that okay something's wrong i've been i've been with this person for 22 years um something's got to be wrong and i and i i want it to be fixed well we ended up shortly into therapy deciding to to, to split but i thought you know i'm going to hang in here and i'm, I'm going to find out what's wrong with me you know or more likely what do I need to do to fix this tell me what I need to read tell me how I need to think tell me how I need to and maybe your listeners can already hear the fallacy in my in, in my in my question and because I was looking for somebody else to tell me what to do because I was really good okay. at obeying I was really good at following you know if I need to read a book I'll read it I'll get it done you know and and through the course of uh, early on in my therapy I understood that this kind of thinking, was really the problem. And the problem is based on because you don't trust yourself, you don't believe yourself, you feel like there's something innately wrong with you, which is really the essence of shame. Okay. When, you know, oftentimes oftentimes you'll hear somebody speak and they'll talk about shame and guilt. And my first question is, what's the difference between guilt and shame? And most people are like, I don't really know. Some, so, Or they'll give an answer and they don't, they don't really quite grasp the difference. And for me, that was the key. Um, do you mind if I, if I go into that part of it? I know it's... Yeah, it's, go into that. Yeah, just give it the full breadth of explanation. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting away from my story. But um, when I, when I talk to, to when I tell people uh, the definition, I say, I, I'll define it and then I'll give you I'll give you a, 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 a an explanation of a story to show how it fits. Guilt is, are the feelings we get when we make a bad choice or a wrong decision. Where shame is the feeling that we get when um, we feel like there's something wrong with us. You know, okay. for instance, if we're having a discussion and I get really angry and I yell at you, right? And then say some things that, that aren't really called for. And I'm like, John, you see how Brad, you made Sylvia feel you see that that was it. you. I made a mistake. I, I chose to yell at you and I shouldn't have done that. And those bad feelings remind me in the future, hey, John, stay calm and don't yell at people because you see how you make them feel. Well, if it were shame, shame would tell me, you know why you yelled at Sylvia, John? Because you're an idiot. You're stupid. You can't help it because you're this whatever adjective you want to throw at yourself. To say, and, and, and shame leaves us with this feeling that nothing can change because we are just that way. I am born like this; it's not going to change. Well, most of that is from false talk that we've heard people say: "You're too ignorant," "You're too short," "You're too this." You're again filling the, the the endless blanks, the numerous blanks, been told. Mm-hmm. and so all these shameful thoughts. They're only shame because we believe them. Yes. If if I if I was, you know, to say something about you know, this is this is the worst interview I've ever been in, or so, you know, and make horrible comments. If you accept it, you might feel you you might feel shame. But if you're like, what's wrong with this guy? You know, I got, I get I get all kinds of compliments. You don't have to accept what I say. You you know, you you don't have to you don't do it but when we when we love people especially when we're children which is what you know when it, most of it occurs and our parents say things even if they don't really mean to shame us you know why are you so stupid why can't you finish it why you're always lazy and we love our parents and sometimes we accept that they say well i must be lazy i must be this kind of person because my mom who i love and respect and trust is telling me these things and so when we when we, we accept them it it because it it sort of defines us and that's just the, that's well then, the very beginning of it
0: then it leads it leads to this conversation of like it must impact every aspect of life for that person oh, yeah. who feels that yeah that they can't perform they can't reach the threshold of standards in some form of skill that they're trying to achieve whereas here in a music exposed podcast so if we think about this whole notion of performing music that trying to get up to that high threshold. If you're in that shameful zone, it must be very difficult to reach that
1: threshold of skills. Yeah. And now here's another twist on it, Sylvia, a lot of people don't think about. It. Sometimes we as children, we like, I, you know, I want to please my parents. So they're telling us that we're bad. So we practice harder. So we need to become better. Because we want their acceptance. We don't care what the teacher, well we do care what the teacher is, we don't care what our peers, we want our mom or dad or somebody who we admire or respect to Accept us, and if they don't, we keep working harder. So, in, again, I'm not saying that that's good because it, it the emotional damage it does to us, yeah, yeah, it maybe made us a technically better player, but it it hurts us on other levels where it will come back and affect us. Yes, I might be able to be a player or you know, eight, nine, ten years old playing on stage and wowing the audience, and yes, those kinds of things they help our self esteem, but if we never get that. that satisfaction or if we believe we are somehow short because i haven't i haven't received that validation from my parent that's the emotional the mental damage that that i so see shame runs a full a full spectrum it it's it makes us feel everything from from complete unworthiness to total arrogance because we we don't you know arrogance basically means we're telling everybody that we're greater than what we think we are because we don't want them to think as poorly about ourselves as we, as we uh, want them to. I suppose,
0: to. really, yeah, so depending on the personality type you're dealing with, that's how it will come out in different forms of expression. Correct. Now, how do, we, how do we go about correcting this issue? Like, What are the first steps you would advise somebody to undertake to try and restore, I suppose, mental balance in a
1: sense, thinking balance? Good okay. yeah. you, task. Yes, you've given me a question. Again, that was how, how much time do you have to answer? Because it's, you know, it's, it's like, it, it's an issue. You know, what people talk about, hey, my teenager is acting up. What do I do? Well, you should ask that question six years ago, right? It's, it's, that, kind, it's, that, it's that kind of a situation. But my first suggestion when I work with clients is, okay, what we got to do, number one, is we got to discover there's a problem. Because if we don't realize there's a problem, how do we solve it? You know,
0: yes. And then do you follow that on then by figuring out where is the source of it coming from? Well
1: yeah, I think we've moved ahead a little bit ahead because first of all, we have to understand it. See, the reason a shame is so hard for us to discover is because it's a part of us, it's been a part of us for so long. Many times it starts, like I say, but it'll start before you can actually learn to communicate. I, I I have an example I don't know if we have time for it, but we shame starts for many of us at a very young age you know co- communication is is where it really starts to kick in so now we have felt normally shamed for 5 10 however many years it it's it's like you know uh it's like if if our hair was always messy and that's the way we looked in the mirror and that's the way it was Somebody says your, your hair's messy. No, it's not. That's just the way I am. And it's it's these things that we don't, we don't realize that, that we have it. And so the getting to the point where people realize that shame is what is causing these issues, that's, that's a pretty big step in itself. Um, yeah. now you what you're asking is what is what's the next step? And there's there's again, these are very situational to make it make a generic answer um, which is also hard because I don't do this in the in the same session because you you know you can't hit people with too much stuff they just they just can't take it but shame is culmination of the of the negative things that we've learned to become who we were and are okay so we we have created this this cloud in a sense so that so what we have to do is get to a point where, okay, yes, I wasn't the one who abused me. Somebody else did. Um, but ask yourself, did you ever wonder if you did something to deserve it? Did you ever wonder, was God punishing you? Did you ever wonder, you know, what, why me? What did I do to deserve this? That's the, I want people to understand that because in 99.9% of the cases, you did nothing. You just were the, in the wrong place at the right time or the right place at the wrong time, however you want you want to put it. It just, it was you. If anybody else would have been in the same situation, the same thing would have happened. You didn't do something to deserve it. You were just the recipient of, of horrible things. And what, that are, but what I try to get people to realize that the next step is to forgive that young John or whoever, whatever, whoever that is, for thinking those horrible thoughts about who you were. Now, again, that's a generic answer. And it seems really kind of like, you know, turn the lights with John, turn it off. But depending on your situation, it's just not that simple.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. Every situation is different. Every conditioning depending on where, what kind of family you're in and so on is, yeah. is slightly different. Now, when it comes to parents with children, what things should they try and include in parenting or what kind of things should they look out for in their parenting skills? Cause there's some parents listening to this podcast that are very aware and they'd love to know, okay, I've got these children in my care, like, and I want to do the best job I can. What kind of things should they look out for?
1: <laughs> Again, that's a good question because, um, I want I I want to give you an example. You know, let let's say you're you're a single mom and you got four children and you're trying to get everybody ready to go into a car to go somewhere to go eat at a restaurant, whatever you're trying to do. And so one of you one of your babies is is in diapers, right? So you just change the diapers. Everybody's getting in the car. You walk into the car with your baby and. What's wrong with you? I just changed your diapers. The mother's frustrated. You know she. Yeah, because she's in a rush. She's trying to get out the door. But yeah, she may not realize that that little statement of frustration could be bringing some shame onto that baby. Because even though the baby may not understand, they know. Oh, I did something wrong. Well, what did I just do? I just relieved myself or whatever. I naturally, my body eliminated it, and now the you know that happens a couple of times. The baby starts to feel wow. It's I I it's shameful to go to the bathroom. I, I mean, yeah, power of association yeah, kicks in, right? And yeah. so, you know, did the did the mom mean to do that? No, and and again, maybe in some situations, another personality might not take that whole idea as shame. It might be, well, mom, not much I can do about it because it's just nature happens, and and so there's there's a power there's, there's a big combination between the parent, the parent's action, and the child, the way they've learned to interpret things.
0: I, and also the personality. I would say that yes. even at that young age, there's a formation of personality Absolutely, taking shape. Yeah. And
1: my yeah. my only thing is just to make sure that the child knows they're loved. And,
0: well, that leads into a very good question that I'm thinking about as you're speaking. And there's this whole conversation in lots of circles these days when it comes to mental health and so forth about love and the media has you interpreting love in a very sexual sense for the most part and then you have this conversation about you know we need to love each other so how do you define love in the conversation of this topic
1: this is your third how much time do you have question yeah you 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 at the end you say how do how do i define it in in this topic because love has, if there's a, if there's a word that has uh, numerous uh, definitions, it, it has to be love. Because again, it depends on the situation. There are a lot of people that I love not in the way that I love my fiance. You know, um, I love my coworkers, not in any sense of any romantic sense whatsoever. And, you know in terms of a parent loving their child i'm not really sure that needs definition um yeah so, it's just
0: unconditional love really
1: yeah, yeah yeah it's it's being you know in the hard part it's it you know you want what's best for for the child and that the child knows and feels that even though sometimes they may say you don't love me because they're trying to manipulate you and do what they want you know and and again as a parent how do you respond to that you you can't you can't give into their manipulation um you know but and, and you don't really want to manipulate them back because we have much stronger powers of manipulation than they do or you know i don't want to use the word manipulate because that has a connotation a negative connotation but you know we can also steer them which is in a sense manipulation so it you know it it's it's really tough for me to answer. I, th- I think a parent.
0: I think there's a dance that goes on, though, between parents and children. Oh, yeah. And it's finding that rhythm. And it changes then as the child is evolving from, let's say, lower age group into the teens, into young adults. So there's this big transitional yes. move. And there's this dance. And it keeps evolving and changing and redefining the balance. Where's the balance in the family home and so on. But it's just being aware of how to communicate clearly, maybe.
1: Yeah. That's. That's all. That, that's a very good one. But remember, even though we can communicate, how many times have you communicated very clearly to, to an intelligent adult and they, they didn't get what you were saying? Question, are they listening? Well, but, but the, you know, the question is, could also be, uh, they may be listening with their own biases or their own intent or what they expect you to, you to hear you Very know I, I i say all the time you could you could give a million dollars to a charity and somebody's going to find something wrong well she's just trying to show off you know people they're going to find something wrong with your actions so you you do things with your best intent with kindness and good intention and how people interpret that is beyond your is beyond what what you what you can well,
0: suppose. This is, this is where you have to have that division of understanding is that a person's opinion is not yours, a person's perception, another person's perception is not your uh, responsibility in a sense, that you have your own intent, authenticity and so on to work from. So there's this conversation in natural health circles or natural mental health circles about, you know, spiritually speaking, going from your head space to your heart space. How do you interpret that? thinking. What does that mean for you?
1: For me, so so much of what I do is actually sort of, I don't want to call it a headspace, but it's more cognitive. Um, that's 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 sort of my approach.
0: Would you say it's being authentic, being well, the real you expressing
1: in see yourself. Uh, being authentic, that's another one. I I don't want to get too far off, off the topic because I think many times we always we always are authentic even even when even if we're even if we're deceptive because we that's who we are at the moment see i i i agree that we we try to be who we are in the moment but for me it's always becoming a better version of who i am and that i think that could also work from the head to the heart because if for me i yes i, I want to be me i want to be who i am but I also want to be the best version of myself because a lot of times we get stuck in. I'm the, that's just who I am. If you like, you got better accept it. Well, you know what? Maybe you might want to reconsider who you are. In, in, in some sense, I mean, I'm I'm not asking anybody to be something who they're not. But by being who you are, are you being um, rude? Are you being uh, arrogant? Are you being these things? And we can-
0: so in other words, undergo a sense of self analysis. Ask questions Const- of yourself
1: constantly, and let me tell you, I'm lucky because my my fiance is 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 constantly re- reminding me of that, and, and has no bones about. And again, she's she does it in the kindest of ways, right? But I that's what I need because I'm the I'm the guy saying, "Are you becoming the better, the best version of yourself? Why well, can't be a hypocrite and not do the same?" You know, I I think a lot of times people, as coaches or who, whatever you want to call yourself, they feel like if I'm helping somebody else, I don't have to worry about my own personal growth. But that, to me, that's that is the worst trap that that a coach or you know a therapist can get stuck
0: in. Can get into yeah. oh, totally, totally, because yeah. it's it's a constant evolution. Sure. I mean, the, every day you're going to learn something new or being you know challenged with something new to. To, you know, make you grow further, yeah, in fact.
1: It, it would, make it would, you grow further. It would be like a musician saying, I don't need to practice anymore. I just got to show up. For it <laughs> doesn't work. I just got to show up for the concert. You know, I mean. Oh, does it doesn't work. Yeah. yeah,
0: you have to practice. You have to put the work in, basically. You have to put the work in. Now, just to complete the interview, a few fun questions. So, what secrets have you learned so far? You've been through the music journey. Now you're going through this amazing journey of work offering such a fantastic you know, offering to mankind really through your work, I mean, which is beautiful. But what secrets have you learned so far? What,
1: well, what major secrets have you learned? I think there's there's two of them. One of them uh, is about the healing aspect and the other one is about the growth aspect. And regarding healing, the best thing we can do to heal emotionally is to start by forgiving ourselves. And again, I know there's people out there who have gone through abuse and they, look at I wasn't the one that did this to me. I wasn't the one, I, I understand. But so many times our reactions are, what did I do to deserve this? Or, you know, we're, we're doing something and like, I'm such an idiot. And we're constantly, you know, degrading ourselves. Let's, yes. let's get to, let's change that to forgiving ourselves. You know? Forgiving ourselves is not an excuse to keep making a mistake. Forgiving ourselves is to understand that we're a human being with faults, but we're growing. You know, we want to take that lesson and we don't want to say, I'm, I can't do it because that's the way I am. I want to say, I got to remember to do it better because of this. And that's where we take that, that, that shame and put it into the guilt category. That, that would be-
0: that will be your answer. And what has had the most impact on your life? would you say to this point?
1: Um, the, the whole idea that when I the idea of questioning of always striving to be, a be the best version don't I mean again, yes, be who you are in, in the moment, but constantly strive to become the better version of yourself, whether it's playing your instrument, whether it is, you know, being a kinder human being, more compassionate, more more giving, because it's easy to get caught up in the me aspect, in the, in the you know, we're looking in the mirror and, hey, I become great, but let's, let's look in the mirror and, and how can we become better? How can we take what we've been given and pass that along to others to give them the same opportunities that we have? Because Beautiful. that's going to grow the earth. That's going to grow the planet. That's going to make, you know, what what I tell people, you know, if if you give back to the world more than you've taken, then the world's going to be a better place for you to be here, and then your life had meaning, had purpose.
0: Oh, completely! The ripple effect is amazing when you live like that. It's amazing. Now, what is the best tool that you choose to use every day to help you on your journey?
1: Um, Self-reflection and, and and in the moment, I you know again I my, my fiance has been so helpful in this for me. But when you're when you're in the moment of the heat, you know when you're getting upset, when when you're whatever the case is, catch yourself there and start learning to change your behavior in in the middle. I mean there there have been times when I I'll get angry. And at a particular person, I'll hang up the phone and, oh, that person made me so mad. Oh, why did I allow that person to make me so mad? See how that changes? Because that person made me so angry, it's all his fault. But when I say, why did I allow that person to make me angry? Now the responsibility comes back on me.
0: Yeah. And you're understanding what's triggering you as well. Yes. What's inside of you that's being triggered in a sense to respond in that way. Yeah, yeah very clever. And what is the number one growth tip you've discovered through all of this amazing work?
1: Again, it's, I, I, I think it's a combination because the self-forgiveness also puts us in the realm of getting out of the negative self-talk. It sounds very liberating, actually. It, it is. And... It's there's also there's also another side to that because there, there's 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 this fine line between um, self-confidence and overconfidence. For some people, yes. that line can be here. For others, it might be here. We we can't get to the point where do you know who I am? I mean, I shouldn't say we can't, but when we become to that point, then we ourselves, we become greater than this whole idea of life that, that life is here to support us rather than we are here to make it. Yeah, granted, you're always going to have the people who lead the orchestra, right? There's always going to be that person. Even no matter how much you want it to be it, you know, you can't sabotage that person to for you to get there. I mean, yeah, I, I understand that there's politics, but I'm I'm just talking from a generic sense in general so that, yeah. that person's going to be there weenie you know i play second trumpet in in the orchestra i you know the only time i stand out is in is in the fourth movement of beethoven's uh, symphony when they're the the second trumpet gets to play the solo not the first other than that the first they they get and i i'm happy to give her that that part of it i'm a part of this group you know without me playing that piece in in, in the beethoven it's going to sound empty but that you know, and it will other times too, but I'm a part of this and it's the orchestra is not there for my enjoyment and for my benefit and for my glory. And, 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 and so
0: really you're speaking about balance, you know, you're, you know, honing that balance, yeah. finding that balance and remaining grounded in a sense as well. And, and, and being I, very grounded. I
1: think like anything, we're constantly looking because that balance is going to shift just like the world. Yes. Shifts the, the ground just between us. We're constantly, and that's what makes life exciting. That's what makes it worth living.
0: Well, I mean, nothing ever stays the same. There's always constant change, isn't there? So that balance has to be renewed, refined, and, and all of that adjusted. Now, just one final question. There may be some people listening to this podcast, and they may be after going through a disappointing performance on stage, and then the mental self-talk kicks in about, oh, look at me, I was terrible. Oh, Jeannie, I can't go back up on stage again. How do you... Deal with that scenario mentally, speaking from your
1: experience, and and again, it is situational. It depends on the, who the person is. Um, in in most situations, I would I would go up, you know, to the to the person and 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 just put my hand on their shoulder and say, you know, I've, I I've I've been there. And the how did, how you how do you get back up on that horse, so to speak, can be a number of different ways. You can help the person up there. They can do it themselves. They can stand on a fence. There's so many things. But the thing is, we have to. We, it's like when when we realize other people have been there, and they've they've achieved. That's the part that you know what. Then I then I got to do this somehow. That we have to understand that this is just part of life. As much as we don't want it to happen, you know, as much as we don't want our parents. To die, it's going to happen. These things happen, and and whatever you need to do to help get you back up on that stage, um, that's that's where I where I would look.
0: Well, you know, I think when it happens, you can find this sense of aloneness through that whole experience, sure. and to know that there's somebody coming up beside you, saying, "Look, I've been there. You're not alone, and I'm with you to get you back up there again." Is that of itself is huge yeah because I remember going through I remember going through it myself and I had nobody to help me and stand beside me to say get back up there on the stage and have a go again I had to do it for myself but if somebody had come up beside me and said okay it's all right it happens everyone at some point I'll stand with you I'm there in the audience listening to you'll be okay do it again it would really build that confidence back in after such a and negative situations. So listen, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. It's really been interesting to hear your discussionary, if that's a word, discussionary answers. That's a new English word, I think. Sure. Really detailed answers anyway, regarding very lengthy questions. Now, where can people find you and what have you available on your website? I believe you have a book published as well. I have a
1: book. It's called Shame on Me, Healing a Life with Shame-Based Thinking. It's in ebook form, so anybody in the world can get it. Um, I also have a blog post with over 300 um, personal development-themed posts. A lot of them about healing from shame, and um, it just, they're just—they're all based on getting you to just look at look at things a little bit differently from what you might have have thought about life. And those are all available for, for no charge. Oh,
0: fantastic! So that's over at shamedoctor.com. That's correct. Yes. And where can people contact you through that website, drop you an email, say
1: hello? They can, or you can also just email me at john at shamedoctor.com. But you can get, you can also do it right from the website.
0: Perfect. Well, listen, it's a pleasure to have you on and we'll have you back again in the future
1: sometime. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you very much.